BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Episode 173 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. These storms shouldn't really be a surprise anymore. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the battle. Not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Hahn. Thank you for liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, and telling your friends about this podcast. Hope you don't mind I dropped in the full intro this week. Haven't played the full intro in a while. Thought I'd play the full intro. Um, I know it's long, uh, but it has a lot of great quotes. And one of the quotes I love most is a Bill Clinton quote. There is nothing wrong with America that can't be cured by what is right with America. I just hope that's still true, frankly. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about these storms, and I'm not going to make this a, sh- a show about, you know, storms. Uh, obviously, it was a, a, a tragedy. I know I have a lot of listeners on both this podcast and my radio program in the state of Florida. And I am hoping that they are getting the assistance that they need from FEMA. Not that 201 members of the House Republican Caucus were, you know, you know, couldn't stop themselves from voting against uh, the continuing resolution to keep the government open, which also funded FEMA, including 15 Republicans from the state of Florida. They all voted against it, which, you know, if of course they knew Democrats would vote to have it passed. But had it failed, you wouldn't have FEMA in Florida, at least for the long term. You'd have the emergency FEMA relief there right now. But people who are trying to rebuild their lives would have a really hard time 
getting that done, there would be a significant disruption until we reopened the government. And keep that in mind. Uh, you know, the budget, you know, will have to be voted on again in December before uh, the House changes hands again. Keep that in mind in December that if they shut the government down, people rebuilding in the state of Florida, people rebuilding in Puerto Rico, in Alaska, other places that have had natural disasters this year will not get funded for their rebuilt efforts. Yes, FEMA emergency would still be covered during the emergency provisions of the budget. But the long-term stuff, the, the rebuilding of your home, the rebuilding of your life would not be possible if the government shuts down. Keep that in mind. Now, I don't want to talk about storms generally, but I do want to talk specifically about how we no longer can figure out solutions to problems. Right now, one side decides that the problem just doesn't exist, and climate change is the perfect example of that. The Republican Party, rather than having a solution for climate change, and maybe it's not the Republican Party, maybe it's conservatives, people on the right, particularly the extreme right, who control most of the Republican Party these days, they want to just say climate change is not real. Now, look, I would respect it better if they acknowledged that climate change was real and then said, but there's nothing we can do about it, so we won't even try, rather than them saying climate change isn't real. Climate change is real. Scientists all agree. 99% of them agree. Yes, there are a couple quacks out there who want to get funded by right-wing think tanks who will skew their evidence to do exactly what the right-wing think tanks want them to do. But even them, if you really press them, they probably agree that there's climate change. We all know there's climate change. We see it. These storms are classic evidence of it. Category 5 landfalls year after year after year. Droughts in the Southwest that aren't even droughts anymore. Don't even call them droughts. There is a water crisis in the Southwest that you can't define as a drought. A drought seems like a temporary thing. This is a permanent situation. It has been going on for years in the southwestern part of this country. Part of it is due to overpopulation, but most of it's due to climate change. What we should be talking about, what we should be arguing about, are how we are going to solve for this problem. How we are going to come to solutions. And by the way, that's what most of the world does. You go to England, they have a conservative party, and the conservative party is the dominant party in England right now. Well, at least for the time being, I think that this is it. This Liz Truss seems like a train wreck to me. I'm just saying, and it's not all her fault. I think there's all sorts of problems hitting England uh, that have been left on her desk by Boris Johnson and others, Uh, but they're probably going to lose power the next time there's an election. But there is a, a conservative party. And the Conservative Party acknowledges climate change. They acknowledge it's a real threat to England. And they argue with the Liberal Party about how to solve for it. That seems to be what we used to do in this country. We'd acknowledge acknowledge that there were problems. And we would argue with each other over how we're going to solve those problems. We, We can't really solve problems if one of the major parties doesn't even want to acknowledge that there's a problem. I mean, right now, all of the solving, 
is happening by one party that's acting responsibly and fighting amongst themselves, right? This argument that you saw earlier this year uh, between Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema to a lesser extent and the people on the left in the Democratic Party over how we were going to solve for, for climate change should have been happening between Joe Manchin and Democrats and other people on the right who wanted to solve the problem. Like Joe Manchin, you might not like his solutions. You might not like what Joe Manchin came up with. But Joe Manchin acknowledged that climate change is a real problem that needed to be solved. His solutions just may not be as progressive as you wanted them to be or as I wanted them to be. If the Republican Party was in that boat, we could actually come to compromise on these issues. We could figure it out and we could move on. Now, look, part of the problem here in America, and and there's no incentive for people to come to a solution. There's no incentive uh, politically because the media wants conflict. That's what they want. They don't want people getting along and singing Kumbaya. The more conflict-oriented you are, the more likely you are to get booked on the major cable channels, both on the left and the right. But here's the other thing. There used to be some grease in the wheels in Congress. There used to be a thing called earmarks, where members of of the Congress, of the House particularly, and the Senate, would pick specific projects that they wanted to see included in the budget. And they would get those projects in the budget in exchange for their votes. And this process was canned, banned, if you will, several years ago. This was a John McCain, you know, talking point. I don't like earmarks. I don't like earmarks. Now, look, I worked in Congress when there were earmarks. And back when there were earmarks, we would actually pass real budgets. What they are voting for in Congress, like they voted for last week, was not a budget. It was just a continuing resolution to keep the government operating. They have not passed a real budget in years through Congress. But they would have real budgets because you would do some horse trading over projects in people's districts and you'd get, you know, 80% of the members of the House of Representatives to vote for the budget. There's no incentive for people to come to the table on solutions on things. Because they don't have to worry about their district funding. For example, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, no Republicans voted for it. But there's money in that budget for programs that are going to happen in their district. And they are going to run around their district taking credit for those programs they voted against. In the past, that would never happen. Earmarks and the Appropriations Committee would whip the votes. You want your project in the budget? You better vote for the budget. You're holding out on the budget. We need your vote. Tell us what you need. Now, there is definitely room for corruption in that process. I agree with John McCain on that matter. But I also think that it's more likely that the member of the House of Representatives or the Senate have a better idea of what their district or state needs than some federal bureaucrat sitting in Washington with a wish list from the department. I think that they should have some input on the process. That's why they're there. Not just going through, you know, thousands of pages of requests from the Department of the Interior or Energy or Transportation to try to figure out what's best for their district. 
it'd be great if they were advocating for specific projects and through that advocacy got them to support specific budgets so that we can actually govern this country instead of managing it from crisis to crisis is what we do right now. In two months, we're going to be right back where we were this weekend facing a government shutdown because the Republican Party will not vote for a budget. They'll want to wait till they're in power in the House. And we'll have to pass another continuing resolution. And hopefully we'll pass one that's two years so that it gets through the Biden presidency or at least through the next election. It's amazing to me. And and by the way, I always say this and I'll say this again. Republicans never win with government shutdowns. The people always get annoyed about a government shutdown because as much as people say they hate government, they do like getting their social security checks. They do like getting their benefits, their veterans benefits. They are worried about things like that. They like their services. They like their national parks to be open and they like FEMA to be processing their requests after disasters. So, And they always blame Republicans because they feel Republicans want to shut the government down. So no matter what happens, no matter whose fault it is, it's always bad for Republicans to shut down the government politically. But they'll have another opportunity to do that in December. And we'll go from crisis to crisis to crisis. So maybe we need to bring back earmarks. We need to put some regulations about it so that people aren't trading pay for play here, which is definitely a problem. John McCain pointed that out. But maybe a little grease in the wheels will bring people to the table and people will have to actually do something to go to a press conference or ribbon cutting for a road in their district or a new project in their district. They'll actually have to support it, right? It's they'll, they'll vote nay, but they want the pay, right? Or I don't know. I can't. They'll vote no, but they want to go. There's some, there's some slogan Nancy Pelosi came up with about this, but they'll vote no. But then they want to show up for the ribbon cutting, for the projects, for the for the infrastructure bill, for the IRA, for anything that the Democrats pass without their support. But they show up. We got to stop letting them do that. We got to get to a place again, and I want to come back to this, where we are arguing over solutions, not the problem. We know there's a problem with climate. What is the solution? How do we fix it? That should be the debate. All right, I'm going to take a short break. I'm going to come back, talk a little more about the midterms and other things going on in the world right now. No guest this week, just me. Next week, though, the great Joe Walsh will be back on the podcast. So stick around. I'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Car Pro Show podcast is available on iHeart, Apple, and Spotify. I can't take my husband anywhere. He's constantly behaving like a five-year-old, snorting, joking, yapping with strangers. It's so embarrassing. But the one period when he's fully engrossed in anything is if he's listening to the Car Pro Show podcast. Here they are now on the Car Pro Show. Ooh. 
He gets to hear Jerry and Kevin share all the latest and greatest news and information about the CarPro Friends universe, reviews and commentary on all the newer vehicle lineups from every major brand, stories and testimonials about ultimate car buying experiences through CarPro.com, and certified CarPro Friends at dealers nationwide. My only regret is when this two-hour break from you-know-who ends. Save yourself! Grab some me time by tuning into the CarPro Show podcast on your device anytime, anywhere. Listen to the CarPro Show on iHeart, Apple, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com! All right, I'm back again. Thank you for telling your friends about this podcast. At Christopher Hahn on Twitter. Christopher Hahn and Y on Instagram. I'm doing a lot of TV in a lot of different places. So follow me on Twitter and Instagram to, um, to check out where I'm going to be and what I'm going to be doing next and check out some clips. I've been doing more clips on Instagram. So uh, some of them old classic clips, just trying to bring in some followers on the, on the gram, as the kids call it. So I'm out there doing that. So let me just, I want to wrap this in a bow here. When Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who, by the way, has been very well behaved the last couple of days, but let's be clear. Um, he's been nice to Biden. <laughs> you know, I guess he's got to be, right? When he was a member of the House of Representatives and my home, New York, was devastated by Superstorm Sandy, he voted against relief from my home. He voted against the relief package for Sandy. By the way, so did Marco Rubio, who was called out expertly, brilliantly by Dana Bash on CNN uh, on Sunday morning. She did a great job. She held him accountable. He tried to go some, well, they wanted to put in, they put in their money for a roof for a museum. Yeah, the roof for the museum was damaged during Sandy is what Dana Bash came back with, which was great. It was like I was debating him, except for she was nicer about it. Now they're begging for this money, and and they should be, right? They need to be representing their constituents, and they want to get this money into the state. But people need to remember that this is who they are. I mean, like I said at the beginning of the show, 201 House Republicans, including 15 Republicans from the state of Florida, voted against the budget bill Sunday night. They voted against it. And that bill included funding FEMA. Without FEMA, you cannot have the recovery you need. And many Republicans have balked at disaster relief over the years. Rand Paul first among them. But Ron DeSantis did it too. And he did it for political reasons only. Now, and and, and by the way, somebody who represents the state of Florida, the most hurricane-prone state in the United States of America should never be voting against disaster relief because ultimately Florida is going to need disaster relief. But both Rubio and DeSantis did it. So here's the question. When is Florida going to hold them accountable for this? Right? You know, obviously the storm just happened last week and so far so good for DeSantis. But people will start to get annoyed in a couple of weeks about the recovery efforts. You're already starting to see some annoyance in Florida on on some lower levels aimed mostly at local governments for their decisions prior to the storm. 
But I, I'm pretty sure the residents of Pine Island and Sanibel Island in Florida, you know, a month from now are not going to be happy. But more importantly, point out the fact that these hypocrites did not support this kind of relief when it didn't happen to them. But that's like, look, I, I mean, look, we shouldn't be surprised about it, right? When do Republicans decide to support things? When it happens to them. Perfect example, marriage equality. Republicans would be against it, then their kid would come out as gay, and then they'd be supportive of it. Rob Portman from Ohio, I'm talking about you. Where were you when it was just a right for your fellow man and it didn't affect you personally? Far, far too often. It has to affect them personally before they actually care about it. And yes, now as governor of Florida, it is affecting Ron DeSantis personally. It is affecting Marco Rubio personally. But when he was looking at New York's devastation and New Jersey's devastation from Sandy, he could care less. Well, either you're for disaster aid or you're not. I guess now you're for it. I would like the question asked of them all the time. Do you regret that vote now? And Dana Bash asked asked that question very, very well on CNN this weekend. Look for the clip. I tweeted it at Christopher Hahn. I tweeted it on Sunday morning. They should always be asked that. And, And when you represent a state that is hurricane prone as that, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself for denying that from other states, especially knowing full well that this will impact you at some point. But here we are. Look, I'm not suggesting any Democrat even consider retaliating against Marco Rubio by not voting and supporting disaster relief. I think it is our job to support our fellow Americans when they are in need. But the difference between me and Marco Rubio and Ron DeSantis is I consider his constituents my fellow Americans, my countrymen. He clearly did not see me, a New Yorker, as his countrymen. And that is sad. And you want to be president of the United States someday? Both of those men still dream and fantasize about being president of the United States. Well, let me tell you something. You got to care about all the states. Joe Biden didn't say, you know what? Florida went for Trump. I'm not going to support Florida in their time of need. No, Joe Biden said, what can I do for you, Ron DeSantis? I know that you're my likely political opponent in 2024. You're probably number two on the list, but really number one because the You know, the former guy ain't running. Joe Biden's not thinking about that. Joe Biden's saying, what can I do for Florida who needs the federal government's support right now? That's leadership. That's caring about your fellow American. You want to talk about why we're divided as a country? Ron DeSantis' vote, Marco Rubio's vote against New York, comes long before Donald Trump's antics. So look, and again, we can blame a lot on Trump and Trump made everything a hundred times worse, but these guys were already there, which is why that party so quickly fell under his spell. I mean, look, and I'll end on this because I'm sure you're getting tired of listening to me at this point. These people 
cannot escape the cycle of hate that they've created for themselves. Even when their own leader, Mitch McConnell, is threatened by the former guy, they have become the party of mean. Meanness is good for them. The cruelty is the point. We talk about on many shows, we've talked about what's been going on with these migrant flights. The cruelty is the point of that party. The crueler, the better. Donald Trump made a racist death threat against Mitch McConnell over the weekend. And you've heard crickets from the Republican leadership. Crickets. No, no. We don't want to risk our chance of taking the House or the Senate by rebuking Trump. Then his racist, cruel followers won't vote for us. But that's why you are where you are right now. And it started with things like voting against disaster relief. Voting against disaster relief. For your fellow Americans. So Democrats out there that might be thinking about doing the same thing, don't. I disavow any Democrat that does that. How's that? Just put it on the record. Play this next time I'm on TV. I will disavow them if they vote against disaster relief for Florida. They are our countrymen, regardless of who runs their state right now. All right. (laughs) I think you've had enough of me. I mean, I probably blew out your ears by now. So I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there. And I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.